Anybody today, anybody in a transformation process? You know, it's a process we start when we give our life to Jesus Christ. Sorry, Dwayne. We give our life to Jesus Christ. We are on a journey. We are on a process of transformation, you know. So um, anyways, I'm excited to get the word tonight. Are, uh, we're glad you're here. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're glad you're here tonight. We've got a few visitors in the house. We want to welcome you. We want to thank you for being part of Living Word Fellowship tonight. We are Living Word. Hebrews 12, uh, 4, it talks about the Living Word. It's alive and active. It's, um, and that's where we got our name from. Okay, turn with me to your Bibles. If you got, let's go to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to just do some review real quick, kind of where we are. We have been talking about your plans or God's plans. Say that with me. Your plans or God's plans. Your plans or God's plans. We talked a little bit about in, in, uh, actually second Kings 17. Um, uh, we talked a little bit about Elijah. Remember Elijah when he was fed at the brook and Zarephath, the, God told him to go to Zarephath. Zarephath is, is called a place of refining. Say refining. Zarephath is a place of refining. You know, there's symbols throughout the Bible. And when God says you need to go to Zarephath, there's a place of refinement that he went there. Remember the story of the widow that he, that he said, look, I, I need to have some bread. And she went to get him some bread. And he said, while you get me that bread, why don't you get me uh, uh, some, some, oh, excuse me, some water also. And what ended up happening was she said, I have a little flour. I have a little oil. I have enough to make dinner for my son and I, and then her vision was to just die. What a vision, what a plan. That was her plan. But I want you to know that that was her plan, but God had another plan for her. Can I get an amen? God has another plan. God has a plan for you. And a lot of times we don't look at that. Uh, uh, we, we don't look at that or we can't see it because of circumstances in our life. Because of situations that we've gone through or difficulties or challenges, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, there may be challenges in our life that sometimes we can't even see the plan of God. Elijah was walking through a plan of God. He fed him by the brook. He took care of the water. The, 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 the brook dried up because there was a famine for three and a half years. And in that famine for three and a half years, how many of you know God took care of Elijah? He took care of Elijah and he even used a woman we understood last night or last week with our small groups that that woman was a Gentile woman. Was She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't from Israel. She was a Gentile. And being a Gentile woman, God will use, come on, he'll use whatever he's got to use, however he's got to use it, whoever he's got to use it. And he'll use that person. He used that Gentile person to provide for a man of God from Israel. So we begin to talk about a little bit about that story itself. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 because we, I want to fast forward into the New Testament because Jesus himself talks about that same story. He talks about that story in 1 Kings 17. He talks about that woman. So Luke chapter 4, um, let, me just, let me just read through uh, verses 24 through 27. 
And what we're going to do tonight is we're, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to lay down a foundation tonight. And then we're going to dismiss, go to the fellowship hall, get some refreshments. And then we're going to ask you just to gather at the different tables. Okay. And then we're going to have some questions for discussion there. So it's all going to be, it's all, we're going to build brick upon brick upon brick. We've been, this has been a, a design that God's wanting us to look at. The woman, the woman, that, that took care of Elijah, her plan was, remember her vision was to feed her kids, her, her son, and then, and then die, to eat and die. This is my last meal. But God has another way. God has a plan. So Jesus is talking about, um, to this. He had come in and he had opened the book and he had sat down in the seat. In the temple, there was, there was, there was a chair that was reserved for the Messiah. The Messiah that was coming, the Messiah that had nobody had ever sat in that chair until Jesus did at this point in time when he stood up and he read Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim uh, freedom and release the captives, to recover the sight for the blind. He went on and said to set those that are oppressed free and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now, remember, he stopped right there. But if you go into Isaiah and you read that same scripture, if you bring that scripture from Isaiah and you look back at it, there was a judgment that God talked about after the favorable year of the Lord. But Jesus stopped at that before the judgment because Jesus knew himself. He was taking the judgment on his back, on the cross. So when you look at him, he comes to that place and he says, this is the favorable year of the Lord. Tell the person next to you, this is a favorable year of the Lord. This is a favorable year of the Lord. Jesus took that. He took that scroll. He closed that scroll and he sat down in the, in the seat where the Messiah was supposed to sit. And all the people were like, what are you doing? And then they talked about it. Then he ended up getting angry. And then he was talking about, you know, the, the, he had done these miracles. And then he had come to that place where they, where he said, I know what you're thinking. And he goes on in verse 23 and he talks about, you're going to say, physician, heal yourself, meaning do a miracle. Do a miracle like you have done in Capernaum. And, and they, and, and in this, and in, and he was at his hometown. So I wanted to set the stage. Here he is. He's ready. He's gone through this. He shook him up because he sat down in the Messiah. Basically, he was saying, this is fulfilled, and I am him. I am the Messiah. He goes on in verse 24, and he says, truly, I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. Verse 25. But I say to you in truth that there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah. And when the sky was shut up for three years and six months and there was a great famine that had came over the land hey uh no no we'll get it here just a minute michael find it up there thank you lord and yet elijah it says verse 26 elijah was sent to none of them but only the only to zarephath meaning a place of refinement in the land of sidon to a woman who was a widow. Now remember, a woman in a famine, had no money. 
She had no job. She had nothing going on for her. Her vision was to feed her and her son and die to have the last meal. How many of you know this has to be the lowest of the lows? See, in the Jewish culture back in that day, Jesus was coming in and he was shaking something. And he was, and he was basically saying, look at this woman. This woman that was a widow was the lowest of lows. But yet God used her to help Elijah. He sent Elijah to her and not to an Israelite. Not to a Jewish person, but to a Gentile. See, to them... The Jews and the Gentiles, they didn't get along. It's kind of like Texas and Oklahoma. Well, never mind, never mind, never mind. Did I say that? I didn't mean to say that. It, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the rivalries that are there, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. You know, I mean, whatever it might be, they, they, they don't get along. It's like they, they have conflict with each other. The Jews and the Gentiles had that conflict. And Jesus was telling them that this woman who was a widow, and he's referring to first Kings 17 and he goes on and he says and guess what and there were many lepers in Israel at the time of Elisha so there was a time where he was talking about Elijah there's a time where he's talking about Elisha who came after Elijah and he says there was a time in Israel of Elisha the prophet and none of them was cleansed only Naaman the Syrian what's what's significant about that not only did he take the time of Elijah, he took the time of Elisha, and he says, guess what? There was a miracle done through a Gentile then. There was a miracle done in Elijah's time through a Gentile who his name was Naaman. Now, guess who Naaman was? Let's turn, turn with me and let's go take a look at the story of Naaman. Because uh, we go to 2 Kings chapter 5. Everybody get there? 2 Kings chapter 5. If you got an electronic device, use it. Use it for the Bible. Get your get your iPad or your tablet or whatever it might be and get on there and get the Bible in that thing and look at it. Second uh, Kings chapter five. I'm going to read through it and I'm just going to just going to teach. going to kind of give you some little tidbits to get you to think about this. I want us to get something out of this. When Jesus was talking about the Gentile woman in Elijah's day. And the Gentile woman in Elisha's day, he was coming in and saying, the kingdom of heaven is advancing. I'm here to tell you that that's the old and this is the new. All of a sudden, the Gentiles were being promoted. All of a sudden, God was going to the Gentiles and having miracles that were taking place. He did it back then, and he did it in, in Jesus' day, and he does it even today. Can I get an amen? So Naaman, let's see about Naaman, because this is one of the things I want to show you about Naaman. Verse 1 says, Now Naaman, the captain of an army of the king of Aram, he was a great man with his master and highly respected. Say highly respected. So here's, here is, do you, think, do you think a widowed woman in the day of Elijah was highly respected? Come on, I'm not coming against the ladies, all right? I'm just saying. Do you think a widowed woman, poor, broke, busted, and disgusted, was highly respected? No. So I'm just going to use this as an analogy. She's down here. Now, what about Naaman? The Bible says he's highly respected. He was, he was a captain in an army. He was a head guy. In fact, some... Theologians believe that Naaman was the one that killed Ahab. 
If you'll read First Kings and you see where Elijah had the prophets of Baal and they had the battle and he went on to Mount Carmel and then he ran from Ahab and Jezebel, remember, pursued him and then there was a war and the battle and the Israels and Ahab was killed. Some believe that Naaman was the one that killed the Israelite king Ahab. So the Bible goes on because it says this. It says, because by him the Lord had given the victory to Aram, the man who was also a valiant warrior and he had a problem anybody know what his issue was he was a leper now remember he was a gentile he was a leper does anybody know about the jews and how they were under the jewish laws how they were supposed to treat lepers it was like don't even be near them you outcast them they can't even be close to you you don't even want to get near a leper so keep that in mind as we go through this Verse 2 says, Now the Arameans had gone out in bands, and they had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. So here's a little Israelite girl. She waited on Naaman's wife. So now Naaman obviously had a servant. He's a Gentile. She's an Israelite. Are you getting this? Y'all getting this? They, They don't get along, so now she's serving Naaman's family. She said to her mistress, I wish that my master were there with the prophet who was in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. Man, this little girl had some faith. This little girl had some faith. Verse 4. Naaman went in and told his master. Naaman went in and told his master saying, Thus, thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. In other words, Naaman went in to the king and said, Look, this girl says that if I go to this prophet that's in Israel, that he can heal me. So let's see how the king, the king uh, from Aaron operates. Verse 5, then the king of Aram said, go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. He departed and he took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothes. Look at me just a minute. Naaman was a soldier. His leader told him to go. What do you think Naaman did? Did he hesitate? He said, look, I'll give you letters because in order to approach another king, the king of Israel, he needed to have a way and access to the king. I don't know about you, but I can't just go into the governor's mansion and say, I'd like to see Governor Fallon. I know her personally. She knows Shelly and I. I can go there and they're going to say, nope. Well, let me call her aid <laughs> and see whether or not you can get in. But at the time, if you had a letter to be able to access from one king to another, that king would allow you to have access to them only by another king. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Are you with me? So this is what happened. He gave the letter. Naaman was a soldier. The master said, go. And he went. Didn't hesitate. He brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, and now the letter comes to you and behold, I have sent my servant Naaman to you that you may cure him of leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, man, he tore his clothes and he said, am I a God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of leprosy? In other words, he's trying to set me up. He wants me to try to cure this man, and when I don't cure him, he's going to come with his army and try to come against us and wipe us out. That's what was he was going through his mind. He says, but consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. Do you see that? 
Verse 8, and it happened when Elisha, say Elisha, Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. That was a symbol of mourning. Do you remember when David's son had died and, and he, he went into mourning, mourning, he would tear his clothes. They would tear the, the, the clothes. Now I'm telling you, the king didn't have burlap bags that he was tearing. <laughs> the king had some, some fine robes made of scarlet and, and royalty and silk and some of the best things. He, he tore his robes and Elijah heard that. Elijah's the prophet. He comes in and he says, he goes to him, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the house of the doorway of Elijah. Get the picture. Here we go. Picture this, guys. A captain of an army arrives at an Israelite's house who he has been told to come and see him. He is bringing stuff. He's got things with him. Remember all the shekels of gold and silver and all of that? He didn't come empty-handed. He came being able to pay or bless or do whatever. Now check this out. He is an honorable man. He's highly respected. If Governor Phelan came to my house, I wouldn't send my grandson. Governor Phelan's there. You go go tell her I'm busy. Are you right? Right? Similar, understand, understand the picture. Elijah sent a messenger to him. Says, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. Naaman didn't even get to see Elijah. And he tells him to go wash in the Jordan. The word Jordan, the word Jordan literally means a descender. Descend, not ascend, but descend. So he's telling him, go to the Jordan. The Jordan was dirty. The Jordan was not a clean river. And this Elijah tells Naaman, Elisha tells his servant, tells Naaman, go wash in the, in the Jordan. How many times? Seven. 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 Seven is a number. Seven is a number of completion. Let me go on. Naaman, verse 11, Naaman was furious. And he went away and he said, behold, I thought... He will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the place and I cure me of leprosy. How many of us have had our plan and said, God, I thought you were going to do this. I thought you would do it this way. God, I thought you would do it this way. God had a different plan. God had a different plan. Naaman got angry. In verse 12, he goes on, and he tells about two other rivers, Anaba and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus. They were better. They were, at, they were lower than the mountains, and they were fresh-running streams with clear crystal water. And Naaman's like, wait a minute. Don't I deserve to go in the clear water? 
Why have I got to go at this place 25 miles out of the way to go to Jordan to go to a dirty, nasty, stinking river? That's what he was thinking. And he was angry about it, right? And he goes on, he says, could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in rage. He was mad. Anybody ever get mad? <laughs> Everybody, I hope it doesn't go through a rage. No road rage here, all right? No road rage. So he goes and he, and he went down and, and his servant came to him. And his servant said this. It says, my father, the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. In other words, if he'd have told you to go stand on the top of Mount Carmel and put your hands to the east, you would have done some great thing, right? He's saying, reconsider what's happening. This servant of Naaman had an honor about him and he loved Naaman and he called him my father. It's a term of endearment. It's, it's a term of love. It's a term of goodness. It's a, a term of grace. And he says, if he'd have told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? He says, how much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. Naaman had a change of heart. So Naaman went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like a little child that was clean. Do you know what this is a symbol of? Being born again. Remember in the Old Testament, it always points to Jesus. Everything throughout the Old Testament shows us that we can't live by the law, operate by the law, that we need a Savior. And in the Old Testament, he's looking at this, and this is a picture of Jesus. What happens to you when you're born again? The oldest passed away and the the oldest passed away and the new has come. It's a, it's a symbol of Jesus. Naaman got mad and he got mad for a couple of reasons. There was pride in his life. He probably thought this prophet should come and see me because I'm the captain of the army. He resented that he didn't get to see the prophet. The prophet sent his servant. Now you go tell him what to do. He went and told him what to do. Naaman got upset. He got, he got to that place where things were. Pride was coming up. And it was showing inside him. See, we have to remember that as we go through some difficult places, that God has a plan and his plan could be different than our plan. Hello? Oh, come on, somebody. God has a plan, and His plan, most of the time, His plans are quite a bit different than our plans. And you know, the woman's plan, she had a vision, I'm just going to make myself some, some, and my son something to eat, and we're going to die. And we know that we read later in chapter 17 that she didn't die. Not only that, but she had another child, and that child that went, died, and then Elijah lays on him and brings that child back to life. Come on, somebody. And her plan, it all of a sudden changed. I'm telling you, God has a plan for you. And although Naaman said, I think it's going to be this way, God is saying, you know what? There's a different way than that way. And a lot of times we don't realize it. We don't understand it and we don't see it. 
The question that I've got to ask you today is that there is something that Naaman did that was able to fulfill God's plan. And the question is, what was that? What was that? So I don't want, I'm not asking you open here now. I'm asking you to be able to discuss that in our small groups tonight. So we got about 30 minutes. Let's take a few minutes. Let's quickly go back, get some refreshments, get to your tables. There's some assignment on the tables. There's some questions to just talk about. There's some icebreakers for, you know, you know, those ones I had somebody that says, I get to talk about the best thing that happened to me this week. Um, let's, let's get into that. Let's do that quickly. Let me just pray for you guys as we go back. Let's just pray that. Let me just pray. Father, we just thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that as we are seeing your plans come into place, God, that you're using the examples in the word of God, that you're bringing us wisdom and revelation. God, we we thank you for the completion that even Naaman had gone through of dipping that seven times. But God, we know that you are the God of Naaman. We know that you are God of Elijah. We know that you are the God of Elisha. You are the God of the widow woman. You are our God. Tonight, God, I ask you to bless our discussions. Let them be rich and full. Let them be deep. Let them be able to challenge each other. Let us be able to see that you have a plan for us. And it may not always be the way we expect it to be. Let us be obedient to whatever you would have us to do. God, bless us. Bless our time tonight. Bless the food in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Okay, guys, file out. Go down the hallway, some of you guys. Uh, there, there's going to be some refreshments there. Grab it. Get you some coffee, something to drink, and grab your table. Somebody will start leading at the tables. God bless, and uh, hopefully we'll see you here in just a few minutes and invite somebody Sunday. God bless.